0: Hey everyone, welcome back. We have Manavir Das with us today. Uh, Manavir, you are the vice president of Enterprise Computing and head of NVIDIA Enterprise Computing, correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay, nice to meet you. Uh, thank you so much for spending a few minutes uh, with me. It's my pleasure, Nicholas. Yeah, this is this is fantastic. So we like to understand the actual businesses that, that I invest in. So this is going to be, this is going to be great. And I think a lot of NVIDIA shareholders will find this helpful as well. So really appreciate Uh, it. Can you, can you explain what, what does a vice president of enterprise computing at NVIDIA do exactly?
1: Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, we are, we are a relatively small company, Nicholas, for the, for the business that we do and we work by basically forming virtual teams to work on different missions and projects. So uh, I have a fancy title, but there's a lot of people at NVIDIA who actually make all of this happen, right? And and my role specifically is just, um, as our company has matured, as AI technology has matured, we think that more and more enterprise companies uh, have the opportunity to adopt AI, right? We're really focused Mm -hmm. on this democratization of AI, if you will, across enterprise companies. And my specific role at NVIDIA Uh, for Jensen is to help make that happen, right? To drive adoption of uh, AI by as many enterprise companies as possible.
0: Right, right. Okay. So I know that you spent some time at a little company called Microsoft. Correct. Getting their cloud segment started, right? Uh, Azure, Yes. And then uh, a smaller company, but still a pretty big company, Dell, EMC after that. Right. What What about NVIDIA's enterprise solution makes it different? What makes it special compared to some of the other places you've been and some of the other cloud-based
1: applications that you've helped build? Yeah. You know, NVIDIA's uh, actually fairly unique, Nicholas, in a, in a few different ways. And you're right. I've worked at those companies, and especially, you know, Microsoft is a company that does many different things, right? Uh, So it's it's pretty widespread. I think really, um, let's start with the cloud, right? If you think about the cloud, right, you can think of it like as a sandwich, okay? And there's three layers. The bottom layer is sort of the the hardware components that actually make the cloud work. You know, your uh cpus your gpus the networking you know the storage units all of that sort of the componentry that makes up the cloud right okay. the physical componentry, the buildings all of that uh so that's sort of like the the bread at the bottom of the sandwich then in the in the middle of the sandwich you have uh putting it all together as infrastructure services that people can just consume right infrastructure as a service if you will whether you have compute where you're renting uh Instances in the cloud, are you just consuming storage and and, uh, putting things in your storage bucket or what have you, infrastructure service. Uh, And then there's a layer on top where there's a wide third party ecosystem in each of the clouds where people are providing um, services that customers actually consume you know, that are using this cloud infrastructure, that are sitting on top of this cloud infrastructure. So for example, I have data analytics as a service, right, uh, is, is a great example. There are various kinds of AI services uh, available in the cloud. There's services for all kinds of things now, you know. Um, so there's this three-layer sandwich. So what I find very uh, interesting and unique about NVIDIA is that on the one hand, we are one of the largest providers of that bottom layer, of Mm -hmm. the sandwich because we build GPUs, uh, people use GPUs for AI and the clouds procure massive amounts of GPUs from NVIDIA, all the CSPs do, and they put it in their clouds to make it available to their customers, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So in that sense, the CSPs are our customer, they procure a lot of GPUs, and then they expose that through this middle layer that is infrastructure as a service where people can rent instances with GPUs uh, for all their customers. But at the same time, we are also uh, the company that builds more of that top layer software for AI than actually anyone,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: okay? And so, and we make all that software available and it's available for people to use anywhere and in particular in the public clouds, right? So those same people, actually the same customers are meeting NVIDIA and interacting with NVIDIA at multiple levels of the stack, both in terms of, Sitting on our hardware and using our hardware for computation, but also consuming our software to actually run their workloads, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is a pretty uh, fairly unique situation in the in the industry, if you will, right? So, so I would say that's one way uh, in which Nvidia is, is is quite different, right? So we we're very keen to help all the cloud providers do really well to grow um, and to provide more uh, kinds of uh, infrastructure to their their customers. And at the same time, we're, we're keen to drive the adoption of these workloads because, A, that helps customers directly, but also that drives demand for, for GPUs uh, in the clouds, right? Uh, so, so I'd say that's one thing that's, that's different. The other thing uh, that's interesting about uh, uh, NVIDIA is that we're a full stack company, okay? Mm-hmm. So we, we learned a long time ago that uh, if you design the hardware and the software in conjunction... Then you get much better outcome than if you just take the hardware as a given and you try to write software, or you build the hardware without understanding what the software algorithms are doing. You know, so so we've always had the approach of designing both things hand in hand. And that's how we've got these dramatic speed ups and accelerations, you know, for different workloads over the years, right? So we are a full stack company and we are open, meaning that we look at the stack as a platform and we're happy to engage. People, developers, customers, partners at any level of the stack. Okay, so you can take just our chips and build your own systems. That's great. We also have our own system uh, called DGX, and you can procure our systems. Okay, uh, when we built that system as a as a purpose-built, you know, best of breed for AI, we showed all our OEM partners how we did that, so that they could build their own version of the same thing. We literally provide them the same innards that we have in our server so that they can build servers that are very similar, right? With okay. their own sort of unique value. So you can get assistance. We have all these tools for AI, like Accelerated TensorFlow, Accelerated PyreTorch, and we make those all available so people can interact just at that level. And then finally, uh, we built these frameworks for different use cases, like Speech AI, for example, and we built a complete framework. So you're much more ready to go as a developer or a solution builder, and you can just pick that up, right? So for customers, for partners, for developers, you decide how much flexibility you want, right? Mm -hmm. The higher up the stack you interact with us, the more complete a solution you're getting from us, but which means the more opinionated it is from us. Okay. Right? That That makes sense we understand there's this trade-off and we built our company in such a way that we're happy to let you choose what level of the trade-off you like, mm-hmm. right? The lowest level is just take our chips, right? And then party from there, right? And then you can keep <laughs> going up one layer. And we think as you go up the layers, you get a more curated solution, a more complete solution. Um, you know, and, and the final thing I'll say uh, before shutting up Nicholas is uh, the, the sort of the, the culmination of all of that, if you will, that has happened for us in the the last year is, you know, AI, there's so many giblets of software. There's so much open source contributed by different people. It's very hard for an enterprise company to put this all together, right? In, In some sort of reliable fashion. You know, enterprise companies need platforms, right? VMware, SAP, Windows Server, things like that, that they can just rely on. And so we've gone and done that. We've created a thing called NVIDIA AI Enterprise which is our software stack that brings all of these things together. You know, it's enterprise-grade, it's supported, it's regularly updated, certified, tested, all that kind of stuff. And it's available in all these clouds, so you can, you know, use it anywhere. And you can meet NVIDIA at whatever level of the stack you want, and wherever you want. You're on Google, you're in Azure, you're on-premises, you're in a cola with Equinix. And so that's kind of our basic philosophy, right? We build great AI technology from hardware to software, we take a platform approach, we work with everyone in the ecosystem, uh, 3.5 million developers, and we allow we make it possible for you to meet us anywhere in the stack and in any destination where you choose to be. Right. And that's basically who we yeah. are.
0: It is a really unique business model, especially from a semiconductor company. Um yeah. and and a unique value proposition, I think. Much of the market is still trying to wrap its head around it. I'm curious now, maybe just stepping back from everything you just said um, about the cloud and AI, these are huge topics, huge industries, but what does it mean for an end user? So maybe, maybe like, do you have a couple of your favorite use cases, like actual real world use cases for just, you know, a non-technical person out in the wild, they come across an AI application. What does it look like?
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, this is this is a difficult question because there's so many great ones, but let me give you a couple, right? Um, and I'll maybe give you one where it's a little more visible to the end user and one where it's less, less visible. Okay. okay? So uh, let's take uh, medicine, right? And let's take radiology. So, you know, uh, something happens, you fall down the stairs, you know, your hand hurts, uh, you might have a broken bone, you're going for an x-ray right? And typically there's a radiologist who will look at the x-ray and determine whether, you know, you have a crack in your bone or not, right? Well, now there's this whole field of uh, medical imaging based on AI, where AI will basically scan the x-ray and determine uh, for you whether you have a broken bone or not, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very efficient form of triage uh, because you don't have to wait for the radiologist to be available, or maybe you're in a remote location and there's no radiologist uh, available there and ai can basically automatically give you an outcome that is the first level of diagnosis for what needs to be done next right okay. uh, so that's an example uh of, from medicine and i use that one because it's a form of vision ai which is one of the earliest uh you know use cases of vision ai you see it all around you these days as a, as a citizen by the way because in all these places where you see cameras right? In Mm -hmm. shops, at gas stations on the street where the camera is just, uh, you know, uh, uh, producing video streams, AI is then being used to uh, evaluate the video stream and look for events that are of interest, right? Like somebody came into the store or somebody picked up something from a store shelf, for example, these are interesting events, right? So, okay, so that's one example. The other example I'd give you is uh, all around, all of us on the internet. So, uh, there's a branch of AI that is increasingly prevalent called recommender systems. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you think about how the the internet really came about and became popular, you know, thanks to efforts by Alta Vista back in the day. Obviously, Google is is preeminent based on search. Right, I have this great portal where I I log in and then I type out what I'm looking for, and it takes me to some set of pages uh, on what I'm looking for. And obviously, you know, Google became so good at it that you know, pretty much the first or second link would be the thing that you're looking for, right? It's quite amazing. So the internet was sort of based on search, which is you or I thinking, what do I want to do next? What am I looking for next and typing in it in? Well, if you look at how you interact with Netflix or your shopping websites or any of these, what's happening is in that interface, they're constantly recommending to you what to do next, right? What movie should you watch next? What book should you uh, read next? What, what things should you buy next from their store, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: what's happening behind all these uh, internet companies is they're running these recommender systems, which is AI, where basically they're learning from everything you did in the past and on, on their site or other places and everything all the other users have done. And from that, they, they're creating basically a model of what are you likely to do next? It's almost like a digital twin of your behavior, right? Your, your usage pattern, if you will. And on that basis, when you log on to their website next, they're able to recommend to you what to do next. And that is obviously uh, valuable to both parties. It's valuable uh, to the companies because that increases their engagement. They've got you there. You'll stay there listening to the next song or you'll buy the next thing. But equally, it's valuable to the end user because there's so much stuff there on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you know how to navigate this whole thing and what might be useful to you, right? right. Uh, you wake up in the morning on Instagram and you have a feed. How is that feed being generated? That's a recommender system, right? So I would say that's, that's the uh, second example that is quite different uh, to, uh, to the first one. Um, and then if I were to give you a third example, which is again quite different, Um, it's logistics, you know? So you think about uh, so much of the world's physical economy uh, is uh, dependent on logistics, right? My supply chain, where I get things from, how do I stock items in different locations? Even if I don't have a brick and mortar store, which warehouses do I store what in based on where the demand is, right? Uh, For different things. Uh, How am I efficient about storing things? whether it's on my store shelves or in my warehouses, how do I procure things quickly? Does it take me half an hour to go find an item from the warehouse or can I find it in a few seconds? The last mile, how do I load up my trucks so that this stuff is delivered properly to people, right? Mm -hmm. So the world's commerce spends a lot of money on logistics, right? And AI is a great way to tame the logistics problem because it's essentially a big data problem, okay? You, there's so much data about who bought what yesterday. What are the prices of some component you need today in Taiwan or China or some place in Asia or, or in uh, Arizona? And somehow you got to put this whole jigsaw together to make decisions about what to store where, when to send a truck, etc. Right? It's like a massive uh, problem of that nature. And again, uh, AI is, is used in that domain in every aspect of it. Robots in the warehouses to pick up things efficiently uh, is one example, right? Um, understanding your users' behavior so that you know what they're likely to buy next, so you can decide what to stock, right? These are these are all uh, ways in which AI is used. So three, I think, very different uh, example, if you.
0: Yeah, that's great. And the last one, I think, we're all we're all tired of hearing about supply chain or logistics issues, right? Yeah. So yeah, healthy shot of AI could help there.
1: Uh, Definitely. (laughs) So
0: I'm curious here. We've been talking about this impending economic slowdown for a couple of quarters. It looks like it has arrived um, and we're seeing a big slowdown in a lot of like cloud computing software companies growth. Maybe some of it's, you know, the strength of the U.S. dollar record run up there. Some of it, though, also, you know, an actual economic slowdown is affecting business spending on things like the cloud and AI, but it is still growing while other areas of the economy have, you know, ground to a halt. Why the customers that you talk to, these big enterprise customers, why are they so willing to continue shelling out money for an AI application or, or AI infrastructure, cloud
1: infrastructure, whatever? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question, Nicholas, you know, I, I, do not claim to be an economics expert and, uh, you know, where the world stands. But I but I will say this, that I think uh, sometimes there's an initiative that a company wants to take and it's a nice to have, you know, I've got a priority list and I know I should be going there, but tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. And then you come to a situation where times are hard and something that was a nice to have now becomes a must-have and I need to do this now okay and I I think there's a little bit of that going on with AI and the reason is because AI is a way for companies to save money Mm -hmm. and I think any company that's big enough uh, today one of their priorities has to be to save money right Uh, and in particular nobody wants to save money by reducing the level of service, right? Let me save money by getting out of these businesses or shutting my stores for half the time or taking half the goods off the shelves. Nobody wants to do that. So the question is, what is out there that I can do to save money while delivering the same levels of service, right? And that's where AI comes in. So for example, uh, you know, an example we've seen for, for a while on the internet is Uh, chatbots where you're on a website and you need help. But instead of calling human, you can interact with a chatbot and, you know, ask a question and the thing will help you, right? Uh, That's a great example of AI in use, right? So you see more and more companies that have an interaction point with customers using AI to provide a great interactive experience for their customer at a time where they can't find qualified people uh, that they can pay to do that work, right? And it's partly the the uh, the economy, but also it's it's hard to find staff these days, right? Mm-hmm. So that becomes uh, to- uh, you know top of mind for companies because it's a much more cost effective way for them to provide an experience. And what we've seen from many of our customers is they've grabbed the opportunity to actually improve and revamp the experience, right, in in a new form. Right, so I think um that's one factor right that uh, it's about saving cost and and AI and you know for for us, if I can say Nicholas, we're really uh, a bit broader than uh, than AI as you said, AI is huge, but really Nvidia is the accelerated computing company, okay, mm-hmm. which means that for a variety of workloads that people run, uh we make them go faster and we make them go much much faster, and with AI especially what happened was AI was Intractable until NVIDIA came along and made it dramatically faster, right? But ultimately, we're about making things faster. Now, we talked about the cloud a minute ago. A lot of co- more and more companies have moved their workloads to the cloud, right? And that's just this motion that's happening. And in the cloud, when you rent, then there's a very direct correlation between how much uh, infrastructure you need to run your workload and your bill. Because the more infrastructure you need to rent and the longer you rent it for, it's directly your bill, right? So now when NVIDIA comes along and says, hey, we have a way of accelerating your workload, so you need lesser infrastructure for lesser amount of time to complete the same task, that very directly leads to a lower expense for the company, right? And so it, it motivates the company to take that jump, okay? Because the final thing I'll say is whether it's AI itself, or it's accelerated computing the way NVIDIA does it, uh, you get a lot of benefit and gain, but it's not a freebie, right? You have to do a little bit of work. You have to do some porting. You have to adopt a new technology, uh, which takes some doing. And that's why I think for many companies that were sort of on the fence, yeah, this sounds great. I've got things going on. I'll get to it next year. There's a bit more of an imperative that I have to be doing this now. Mm-hmm. Because because it'll help me save money and move forward. So
0: that's interesting. And that almost sounds like a response to a question I hear a lot from especially people with a non-tech background, you know, how much computing, how much more computing do we really need out there? Uh, but that's an interesting point because I I mean, I know I've walked into some corporate campuses and you know, they have closets stuffed with, you know, 20, 30 year old infrastructure still maybe they've been holding off on jumping to the cloud because yeah. of the added cost with making that transition. But if you're helping drive down the infrastructure cost. Yeah. And the power consumption,
1: the j- Nicholas. You know, there's a, there's a study out there that today, if you look at the, the power consumption of the world, the, about 1% of it is used on computing, hmm. you know, all these different data centers, clouds, people's data centers, et cetera. And that's growing dramatically. And, um, mm-hmm. I forget the exact time frame, but something like in a decade, that'll be 13% of the world's power consumption. Okay. So it's not just the money, but it's also for the amount of computation you're doing, how much power are you consuming? I mean, it's a planetary issue, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's another reason why it's good for people to adopt accelerated computing workloads that are more efficient because of AI, because it'll, it'll control that as well.
0: Okay. Interesting. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. Um and helpful. One last question.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I would love to hear some of your thoughts on where you see the AI industry headed in say like the next decade. So you just you kind of gave a little tease there with the uh the explosion in energy consumption. Uh what what else though? Like where where might we be by 2030 yeah. with, with yeah. this fast growing AI industry and cloud and all the
1: related parts. I mean if only I had a crystal ball right yeah. um <laughs> yeah but I mean I I can I I'll, I'll, I'll give you sort of uh, my my guess on it I think you're going to see a couple of things uh the first thing is that um I think uh every every company is going to be infused with AI and there's I think there's going to be two kinds of companies uh the the bigger companies are going to explicitly adopt AI and they're going to do data science, and they're going to make their company better because they used AI in some way. For example, they implemented a recommender system to to suggest to their customers what to do next. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think any company that's that's big enough, Fortune one thousand, maybe the you know the twenty thousand largest companies in the world, they'll all be doing that. I think, but then. I think for all the smaller companies in the world, they'll be infused with AI because the apps that they use will just be infused with AI. And that company, without having to understand AI or have any staff that understands AI, they'll benefit from it. So I'll give you a great example. If you look at Office 365 from Microsoft, Mm -hmm. right? And you're working on Word and you start typing a sentence, it automatically suggests to you the completion of the sentence. And that's on the basis of AI. And there's an AI model that is being used to predict what is the sentence you're actually uh, trying to type, right? Uh, if I adopt that in my in my business, I'm just getting that, right? I don't need to understand AI or put in some special uh, infrastructure or any of that, right? That app uh, just went that way. And I think apps are just going to be infused with AI. Nicholas, it's like, you know, uh, 20 years ago, apps did not have Use uh, graphical user interfaces, right? Mm-hmm. But now, can right. you build an app without one? You just cannot. Every app is infused with, with the UI, right? And I think the same thing is going to happen for AI. So I think that's that's one thing I expect to see. Uh, the other thing um, I expect to see is that um, the the landscape of computing is going to look quite different because today most servers look like the servers of ten years ago. Okay. There's a CPU, there's a memory, there's a bit of storage, it's connected on a network. Um, and a small percentage of the servers have acceleration in them, like a GPU, right? Okay. Uh, for this kind of accelerated computing. And I think you're going to see that change dramatically. Uh, because accelerated computing is just uh, more efficient and it, it, can, it can do a larger workload. So I expect that on a secular basis, I think these are trends you will see. Uh, From the point of view of of companies, I think the adoption of AI is just going to grow dramatically. For the bigger companies, it's going to be very explicit. They're going to become knowledgeable about AI. Just like big companies have like a database team, a security team, a networking team, you know, a virtualization team, I think they're going to have an AI team. Every company that's big enough is just going to have an AI team. You know, it's going to be one of those mainstream things you do in the industry. And then for the much larger base of smaller companies, they're just gonna get here. right? Just by upgrading to new versions of things that they have, right, so so we'll see. That's certainly what the mission that, that the team and I are working on.
0: That's great. Thank you so much. I noticed you didn't say anything about um, personal personal robots that we uh, we get to benefit from wandering around the house doing chores, but hey, maybe, maybe that'll happen uh, in the next 10 years too.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking forward to all those. There are so, you know, the thing is it's, this is the smartphone moment for, for AI, Nicholas. You know, if you think about the smartphones uh, and then with the app store and the smartphones, it's just unleashed human creativity, right? Because so many people with great ideas have sure. built great apps and the smartphone provider doesn't know all the apps. And we look at AI the same way. We've been working hard to create this platform so that all these developers out there with great ideas can do the kinds of things you're talking about, right? There's like so many interesting use cases. And so we just want to unleash all of that, right? And let everybody build these great use cases. And then we'll all sit back and watch uh, what happens, right?
0: That's great. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. I want to be respectful of your time. I, I know you're busy. You've got to go run that enterprise, uh, enterprise cloud team. So thank you so much for the time today, helping us understand Uh, this really unique business model that NVIDIA is building. So Manavir Das, appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Nicholas.